Welcome to Filtration Matters, a regular podcast from BOFA, a world leader in portable fume and dust extraction. In this series, we'll be exploring how innovations in filtration and extraction system design are helping improve productivity across multiple industry sectors, including in laser, 3D printing, and electronics. Both experts will discuss how advances in extraction technology are helping optimize manufacturing processes and product quality, while at the same time contributing to a clean, healthy working environment. Today, we're looking at additive manufacturing as investment in 3D printing grows around the world to take advantage of increasingly sophisticated technology It's transforming the manufacturing landscape across multiple sectors and helping to address some of the supply chain challenges that have emerged in recent years. As this expansion continues apace, the focus is increasingly turning to optimizing the value of the performance qualities being made available through material science. However, with these new generation materials comes the need to ensure that the filtration of human particles keeps pace to help operators maintain uptime and to protect operatives from potentially harmful emissions. To help us navigate our way through this evolving environment, we're joined by Technical Development Manager Nigel Bedford, who is part of the BOFA team involved in ensuring that the company's fume extraction systems meet the needs of operators and their people. Welcome, Nigel. Hello, Phil. Great, thank you. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Nigel. Um, Perhaps you can start by telling us something about your career to date and your role at BOFA. Yes, yes. So uh, we'll keep it short. I've I've, I've had a a great career, lots of of opportunities. So um, 10 years in automotive R&D, followed by nearly 20 years in aerospace, uh, manufacture, repair and overhaul for big tier one OEMs. And then just before BOFA, uh, a couple of years with a very small um, repair and overhaul facility in, in, in Dublin. Been with both for a year, a little bit of work with the R&D team, and then the last six months really heading into additive manufacturing, filtration, and uh, a whole new world. So no, it's uh, good fun and uh, enjoying it. Thanks, Nigel. So let's create a little context here around the evolution of 3D printing, particularly in terms of the expansion of additive manufacturing around the world. What have been the main drivers for this growth? Do you think? Yeah, so there's there's, there's no um, there's no question that the supply chain difficulties have, have really helped this helped this industry to develop. Aerospace and low volume manufacture, I think, will be really beneficial from it. Probably a little way away from the the real the real big volume stuff, um, if if ever, frankly. But certainly helping to 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 fill those um, supply chain gaps. Would, would be would be really beneficial, uh, and also from from a design point of view. So as as it, as, as designs are evolving and new machinery is evolving, the ability to to build more complex things shapes uh, is is a real plus for for additive, uh, and also the ability to get several parts manufactured in one assembly rather than sub-assemblies which you then have to have to connect and bolt together or however that may be uh, is, is bringing some real benefits we're seeing that all over the place and i i guess that this this growth is perhaps most illustrated by the number of, of machines for example that that companies might be investing in whereas historically it might have been one or two in a particular shop. Now, are you seeing sort of growth in the numbers of 3D printers that are being invested in, in perhaps in a single location? 
Yeah, so people start to talk about that. I haven't seen too much evidence of that personally, but I'm sure they do exist. But there's a lot of talk of print farms, you know, 50 machines, 100 machines, really doing the volume, the volume stuff. And that's where all the challenges for for the whole infrastructure, including filtration, I'll be selfish for a minute, uh, comes in. You know, that's, a, that's a whole different world to the ones and twos machine territory. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that develops, but that is definitely the path that uh, machine manufacturers are looking at. Is they're calling them print farms? You know, dozens of dozens of machines looking forward, uh, and that's also driving some of the um, the sizes of machines. Uh, we know some uh, AM machine manufacturers have been very torn between the very low volume big parts or, or actually going for multiples of very small parts. So maybe a 250 millimeter cubed uh, print area and lots of them as opposed to a one meter cubed print area. There's a market for both, but um, there's certainly some division there around uh, which, which way companies should head. And do you think there's a role for 3D printing in what we might think of traditional manufacturing process like tooling and molding is there a role there for 3d printing so today undoubtedly for very low volume and particularly for tooling you know it's it's very it's very very useful to be able to quickly knock out a first off and then maybe modify amend certainly as machines get faster there's no reason that volumes couldn't increase you know we, we're seeing machines now uh, there was, there was a, an alert on one of the one of the websites a few weeks ago that um machine now out there with 26 lasers so yeah, that's that's going to really have some um, production capacity w- within one asset. So, yeah, see it going that way. But today, I, I, I would still say it's um, low, low volume, may, maybe a dozen offs is where it's really very, very beneficial. I guess the uh, the, the growth in interest in, in 3D printing seems to be accompanied by the development of new generation materials for this market. What sort of materials have you seen emerging and why are they being adopted? Yeah, so in, in, interesting topic and one we're, we're really getting our arms around. And, um, you know, we're, we're having conversations with some some machine manufacturers who are getting into super alloys, particularly for aerospace and, and defence and, and, and space applications that are very, very reactive and um, they're looking for solutions early on uh, around how to manage those. But then there's, there's the other side, uh, Peak, for instance. So very, very good material in terms of um, tensile strength, flexural strength, Particularly for a um, particularly for a polymer, not not a metal. Uh, very very good wear and abrasion, and, and used a lot in medical for for joints and the like. But actually, in, in some applications, we're seeing that as a replacement for stainless steel in the right application. Tungsten tungsten starts to really feature. Previously, very hard to print to reduce a very high melting point, which in itself makes it good for some applications. But but excellent at resisting heat and wear. Again, very very good for tooling tooling manufacture because it's so, it is so tough. Uh, and again, that's that's, that's very, very low volume stuff. Interestingly, once once 3D printed, it has very good characteristics for shielding radiation. So again, good for radioactive processes and uh, and protection of pe- personnel in those environments. So seeing that one come through more and more. So these sound like very exciting innovations, but what does it mean in terms of filtering out any potentially harmful airborne emissions? Yeah, so there's there's, there's a couple of paths paths here really. This is where it gets gets interesting for us. So for the for the metal printing side, we're, we're not we're not too we're not so concerned about filtering out the the harmful emissions. What we're trying to do there is keep the print chamber clean. So um, protecting the laser, stopping. 
uh, deformation of the laser onto the um, onto the print area and, and the manufacturing process. And then for the more the, the plastics and the, um, the the non-metallic, we are really there about people, people's safety and health. And uh, you know, my, my son's recently bought a, a a new printer, a very 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 fast, very high power laser. But the smell in the house is remarkable compared to his old printer. It's it's been it's been quite a, um, a switch on for me to walk in through the front door and think, oh, Dan's printing. The house never used to smell like that. So he's actually got a, a both a 3D print pro. Um, unit which um, I thought was probably a good investment a few weeks ago, uh, and that really is from a, a great bit of work the team here have done with a firm called Cambustion. So, what we're doing there is looking at the filtration efficiency of the carbon and HEPA filters, which which both uh, manufacture, and looking at how they remove the um, not only the, the the particle but also the noxious smells. I found found to reduce uh, those those VOCs by ninety nine point eight percent. So um, the 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 mantra for the testing was ABS and PLA at two hundred and two hundred and fifty degrees C nozzle temperature, and the machine on and off. And also, actually, the enclosure door open and closed. And uh, the, some people think the door in itself is is, is enough. Uh, this report demonstrates it really isn't. It does contain that, but not once you open the door, it all escapes, and you, you get very very high levels of VOCs in the room. So that that's, that that combustion report is going to make its way into white paper and release that shortly. But um, yeah, very very interesting results. Uh, we we see a step a step change in the VOC particulates into the room within only a few seconds, and it's. Um, it really is quite a quite a remarkable uh, difference very very quickly okay so we look forward to the white papers definitely it sounds really interesting but i guess the other aspect that needs to be considered beyond atmosphere management is the impact that uh, these emissions can have on product quality and uptime if they're not uh, if, if emissions aren't properly controlled I mean, that, yeah. that's for what you're saying earlier that's also a focus for bofa yeah absolutely so you know the um we live in a commercial world, one of safety first, commercials close second. And, yeah, keeping these machines uh, online is, um, is, is is certainly a big focus, as well as, well as um, the the skill level required to operate the machines and, and keep them maintained. Uh, and then, of course, the um, the cost of waste, which is which is getting more and more impactful on, on operations. Uh, these areas actually are, are what will limit the the growth of the, of the uh, am print farms that we're talking about so managing one or two machines very manually is okay you start to talk about 100 and that's a whole a whole different level of operation so yeah we've got we've got the commercial piece uh, for sure so what's the uh, potential impact of not controlling the uh, the emissions properly in terms of product quality? Um, I think you, you may have mentioned this a little bit earlier. And what effect can that have on the actual process then? So if, we, if we flip over to, to metal printers particularly, they need to operate in an inert environment. So, so typically argon, but possibly a nitrogen-rich uh, environment. So the, the filtration needs to be really well sealed to maintain that. Otherwise, we start to see um, oxidization of the print as it's being produced. We, we can't have downtime. So the filters have to last a long time. They, have to, they, they need to see through the whole print cycle. Stopping that print to change a filter would leave a flaw in the in the material in in the model being built, uh, and of course we'd have to then control that um, 
in her environment again. And, and finally, you know, we've, we're getting some reactive materials here. So we're talking titaniums and aluminiums uh, at a very, very small particulate uh, size down to submicron level, which is generated in the smoke. Uh, that's produced by the laser. Uh, we need to be careful about exothermic reactions when we come to remove that filter and um, it, it gets exposed to oxygen. So that's that's part of the bigger program that we're working on is how we how we manage to safely change filters, safely react filters, safely dispose of filters and looking at maximum machine uptime. So a productivity thing, yes, but also a, um, a fundamental requirement of these machines to keep going for the full print cycle, print time. So that sort of brings us neatly on to how both ensures that its technology keeps pace with these materials and the processes that are being used. So what's both approach to that, to sort of staying, um, staying up to date, if you like, with processes and materials? So we've got we've got a good team here on site in Pool. Of course, we're, we're part of the wider Donaldson group now. So yeah, a lot of a lot of talent. Um, to keep keeping a foot of of technology is is kind of my job and where we're heading. So we've we've partnered with a few good uh, good OEMs and a few technology centres and universities. Meeting a few more of those this week. We, we have a couple of chemists on site who are, who are very 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 switched on to materials and how how they react and how we should be treating those. And uh, interesting call a couple of weeks ago, actually, with our our chemists in uh, Thailand from uh, the Donaldson facility, who are actually responsible for um, disk drives, but um, very interested in anything chemistry. And uh, we've talked to them about passivation and um, uh, good ways to control that reaction. So, yeah, mixed mixed team, industry contacts. You know, these podcasts are great. Uh, we're at Form Next in the next couple of weeks, so we'll we'll have a really good good look around there and lots of lots of. Uh, Deep and meaningful conversations, I'm sure, on our stand. And it's, it's all it's all keeping us well informed and, and learning all the time, actually, as I think a lot of the industry is. So for people who don't know too much about the BOFA filtration system, perhaps just explain what a typical filtration system looks like for additive manufacturing. And I think maybe reference even some, something like the AM400, which I think helps to address one of the issues that you mentioned in a previous answer. So can yes. you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, so we've we, we've got a um, we've got a machine out to market already called the as you as you rightly say, fill the AM four hundred. So that that incorporates a, a blower and control and a filter device, which is which is pretty easy to move around. That's especially important if we want to get that to a station for passivation. It can be locked off and sealed and taken somewhere to be reacted. Mm-hmm. A good good device. Some people see some really long print times, particularly if they've got low gas flows and, and, a, and a, a small print chamber. Commercially available, it's, it's out there now. Thanks, Nigel. So, what, what's the what's the direction of travel for filtration more generally for additive manufacturing? Do you think? Yeah, so certainly um, heading towards more automation. You know, uh, if, if you think of the print farm, fifty or hundred machines in a room, that's going to take a lot of of labour to uh, to manage uh, filter changes, maintenance, all, all that good stuff. So we need to be thinking about that. So long uptimes, simplicity, uh, being able to easily clean uh, any devices, uh, and also change between different materials. We're aware that some some machines are going to be swapping between. Uh, when we really can't mix those materials and and say long long uptime i think are the keys going forward 
And it sounds like there's some development underway at BOFA to answer these challenges. I know you can't say too much yet, but you give us a hint just to say that actually you know, the work is in progress, as it were. Yes, yeah, yeah, we're on, we're on a path. Uh, we we have some we have some designs in work, and um, so far feedback from from key key partners is is pretty positive. Excellent. So, just looking ahead, how do you see the additive manufacturing industry developing over, say, the next five years um, when it comes to the wider adoption of the technology and perhaps the role of filtration? How's that going? What 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 might that look like in uh, a few years' time? Do you think? So I think we're definitely heading down two paths. Um, there's, there's, the, there's the really large-scale big printers, you know, the, the one-meter cubed, off, off maybe into government institutes or off into the, the um, aerospace sectors, real, real specialist stuff. And then there's the, there's, there's the other end, there's the 250 centimeters, 250 millimeters cubed, sorry, print chambers, much lower flows, but, but you know, equally demanding. Uh, but a lot of those, I, I think there's some there's some heartache in some OEMs around which way to go. So I, I think the, 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 the print farms will be a thing going forward. I think there's a lot more required uh, in terms of development of processes to enable that. It's even so much machines, I think it's processes. So I think the technology is through that exciting new phase uh, and, and people are now really looking at the, the true benefits, the cost benefits, the productivity benefits. Uh, and that will now come through in in terms of genuine, mature reasons for adoption of the technology, rather than uh, through the fad stage. So that, that's what the next next five years holds: is um, much large machines, a lot of very small machines, and some genuine business case um, approval for why the, the technology should be adopted. Many thanks, Nigel, for your expert insight into the fascinating world of material science and what this means in terms of product performance and expansion of additive manufacturing. We look forward to hearing more about both his innovations in this area in the months to come. Thanks very much. Thanks, Phil. It's, it's been a pleasure. If you want to find out more about BOFA and the benefits of filtration and fume extraction, visit BOFAinternational.com where you'll find lots of sector-specific information. You can also catch up on all our podcast content by visiting bofaintnational.com forward slash podcast. Thank you.